Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. It's Kelly Lee here from Testimony Tuesday. And we are super, super, super excited. Today, we have a very good close personal friend from my city. Imagine that. (laughs) Most people that we have on the show are from like everywhere in the world, but my city. (laughs) So um, we're really happy to have Pastor Hassan on the show today. Welcome, brother. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate uh, being here. Thank you. Yes. It's a humbling experience. <laughs> <laughs> and Hosan's testimony is truly amazing. He is out in the streets all the time. If you are ever in Montreal, Canada, you will see him out in the streets, him and his crew, just sharing, sharing, sharing the gospel. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, in, <laughs> in this city is a very difficult thing. I've been out in the street preaching with you, and let me tell you mm-hmm. how those demons start popping out of nowhere. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I guess they don't like they don't like to hear the word Jesus say what happened. It's so true. So. It's so <laughs> true. It's so funny. Like, yeah, amazing. You guys do a really, really great job, though. And Man. so that's why Praise I want to God. Uh, Christ is enough ministries on YouTube. Mm. You definitely got to check out his videos. They're getting out there, and they're really, really, really fulfilling the Great Commission, and it's amazing. And as you guys know, Revelation 12, verse 11 is the one that we always, always talk about. It says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And testimonies are so super important because they help us to overcome. And they also help people who are listening to overcome. These testimonies are getting out there. And this one is going to do really <laughs> something, like really, really. Um, so Amen. Hassan was uh, raised in a Muslim home. And... Um, he found the Lord. When was that? Uh, the age of uh, 26, I say maybe 27 at most. And that was uh, nearly 10 years ago. Wow. 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 Yeah. And so he mentioned that he was having dreams and visions for most of his life and how the Lord just really like found him where he was and was like, hey, <laughs> it's about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Hassan is doing a lot of preaching specifically to Muslims, you know, um, the differences between the Quran and the Bible. He knows all about that. And you definitely have to catch him on his videos and how people just like walk towards him because it's like demons everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it so... happens. So yeah. I'll let you get into it and just if you want to just start from the beginning of like when you started having dreams and visions of the Lord and um, just the process that happened from there. Yeah, sure. Well, first and foremost, thank you, Kelly, for having me on your show. Really appreciate that. I mean, uh, we both go back. Uh, God knows how many years, but um, a little while. And we met obviously through a church and then you came out and did some evangelism alongside us and it was just so awesome to have you on board with all that. So, you know, the drill, we go out and uh, there's a lot happening in the streets. We um, speak the word and of course, demons will manifest, you know, Satan will throw his minions, um, whatever we are just to disrupt our faith in some way. 
But, uh, you know, uh, this journey that the Lord allowed in my life obviously does go back um, quite a uh, 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 quite back. And uh, I'd say that uh, since you mentioned dreams and visions, uh, the first time I, I received visions and dreams was when I was 18 years old. Um, so that's when it all started. But of course, uh, there was a baggage behind that that obviously led up to uh, Jesus coming into my dreams and visions and revealing himself to me. Um, I got to say that uh, like anybody else, I was out in the world. I had one foot over uh, in the world, the one foot in Islam. So I wasn't quite, uh, of course, I was religious. I was in yeah. some way radical, but I was still uh, very hypocritical about my faith. So I was uh, right in between, right? And I was conflicted from the inside, but um, I had uh, lived through a lot of traumas. Uh, growing up, I lost my dad um, at the age of 14. Uh, my dad was very abusive also for, uh, you know, those who don't know anything about my story. So, uh, you know, that obviously had an impact later on on the way I felt, my emotions, uh, how I, you know, grew up to be um, emotionally wrecked, broken from the inside, suicidal, all that stuff. But I guess like, um, you know, early in my childhood, uh, in my teenage years, I was uh, uh, feeling the depression. I was feeling the weight of uh, the fact that my father had walked away. Uh, my father had been abusive, as I mentioned, with my mom. My father um, wasn't a present father uh, in our lives. Uh, and when I see we, uh, myself and my two siblings, my two sisters. So my mom was a single mom raising three kids on her own. Here in the city, it was difficult when we first got here. So I, I was born in, just to give you guys a little context, I was born uh, and raised in Lebanon till the age of six. Then we fly it out uh, and we came here. And then from that point on, of course, things were getting difficult for us, especially for my mom's trying to get a, two or three jobs, right, just to sustain us, just to provide for her children. She was uh, on, her, on, her, on her own. Um, and at some point she meets, uh, with this, uh, man who's uh, basically one of her, um, far cousins, uh, second cousins basically. And she knew him from Lebanon. And so what are the odds? She basically bumps into him right here in Montreal. And so yeah, he offers to help, uh, financially, but also support with the paperwork and everything else since my mom wanted citizenship, right? And she didn't know a word of English or French. So it made sense that he want, he wanted to jump in and kind of help and offer the support. That's what Middle Eastern people do. So that's very culturally ingrained. That's very, yeah, they're very, very family oriented. Uh, but come to think about what happened later, um, we thought that he was going to be a father figure, uh, you know, loving, caring, uh, but he was a kind of a radical Muslim. And so we were in, in some ways, just to give you the long story short, for 12 years, uh, we were, um, yeah, we were mistreated. Uh, obviously, um, he, his behavior, uh, at home wasn't, uh, good with us. He, uh, we were, you know, we were beat up by him. So it was very difficult and we really lived through hell, uh, for roughly 12 years nonstop. And, uh, can only imagine, you know, what, it, what, what, what was going on in a, in, in a, in, in my mind, in my sister's minds, uh, we, we felt imprisoned. We felt like we had no freedom whatsoever. And, um, later on, um, I figured that my only way of escape, escaping what was going on at home was to maybe, you know, uh, stuck my nose in, in the Quran and, and read the Quran and learn a little bit more about Islam and uh, eventually maybe grow to, you know, find my identity in Islam. So I started praying. I became um, uh, radical in my faith. And at the age of 15 or 16, I wanted to become an imam. So that was uh, 
you know, my next step exactly. So I was, uh, most of the money that my mom was giving me, um, I was spending on books. I was always reading. I have my notes right in the books and that was something I wanted to do because, um, I felt, you know, that was my way of actually seeking, but also fighting, fighting freedom. Um, as far as I, as far as I was concerned back then. And of course that didn't work, uh, later, uh, because, uh, there was no such peace. Uh, there was no such thing as peace in Islam, right? Uh, so I was seeking really hard. I was praying my five prayers on a daily basis. I was doing Ramadan. I was doing all these rituals and practices, which Islam ascribes to. And um, little that I knew, you know, none of that would help uh, me feel better. I was obviously very conflicted from the inside. And uh, there's no rest for ha- your soul, right? Like there's no rest. And so you, you, mm-hmm. you there's no peace without him, right? He is the Prince of Peace. And so he Amen. has to find you in that place, right? He has to find you in that place where you're like, oh my goodness, like I'm doing everything right according to what mm-hmm. Islam is telling me to do. And yet you're still yet. not feeling because he is the Prince of Peace, right? So he has to be like, okay, when you're looking for peace, it's like, Hello, over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't, I, I didn't know that back then. Actually. It would only make sense because, um, of course, I grew up as a troubled child, and it was a lot bottled up from the inside. Uh, obviously, a spirit of rejection uh, or abandonment, you know, whatever you want to call that, because of my father's departure, and my father also passed away, and then this man taking over, of course, and then ruling us, you know, with severity and a lot of. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of radicalism. And, uh, you know, I didn't know how to find that peace. I was seeking with your heart and I thought that Islam was the avenue, but of course not, uh, because, um, you know, you'll find out very soon what happens uh, later. But, uh, I was even becoming suicidal at some point. I remember, you know, I was, um, you know, I was ready to jump off the ninth floor. Uh, my mom would find me on the balcony standing there at three o'clock in the morning. I'd spend hours upon hours looking at myself in the mirror. And it was some sort of fear that was instilled in my heart, at the very core of my heart. I had an identity crisis. I didn't know who I was. I was seeking that peace, couldn't find. And I thought that maybe the only avenue or alternative was suicide. So at that point, you know, imagine a child or a teenager thinking about suicide or death, you know, or even killing the guy, but for the life of me. I couldn't do it because I was way too scared for him, of him. And so um, later, every time I went to sleep, I'd see these nightmares. And in my nightmares, uh, what I can recall is that uh, I'd see myself going to hell. And uh, I always beat myself down and guilted myself uh, because I thought that I wasn't on par with Allah. I wasn't doing what Allah was always asking me to do. And maybe... I wasn't reaching to that mark, right? That standard of holiness that Allah wanted from me. So I lived in that constant vicious cycle of just condemning myself and bringing myself down into that pit of darkness. And I would wake up from these uh, nightmares after seeing demons, uh, hell. And I really thought that it was going to be, you know, the last day. And I'd look at myself in the mirror and I'd speak to myself. I was completely delusional. I was like, what's going on? I thought that Islam was supposed to provide with help, you know, with, with support, uh, make me feel better, make me feel joy and give me hope. But I was in a state of hopelessness and I, I was scared to leave my house because I feared that I'd die. So, you know, fear was overwhelming and it really, you know, waited on me for years on end. And, um, 
you know, one day what ended up happening is I got angry at the guy, uh, left the house, didn't come for uh, a few days. My mom thought I was demonized, and maybe I was, right? And then she asked some imams to read him some water bottles, you know, some incantations, which she thought that she was actually helping me out, but of course she wasn't. Only to think that it was getting my, it was, it was making my situation worse. So, and, and then I was starting a to see more. I was, <laughs> a lot of, a lot to renounce. It was obviously a root of, of, of evil that was a, a cause of curse or a curse upon my life. Uh, yeah. I don't know what that stronghold was, but it was, you know, most definitely coming from, uh, uh, rejection and abandonment. That was my understanding, right? That, right? Like he will just, he'll, He'll use that and use it and use it and use it against you until it just pulls you down. It's like a exactly carrying, and he will play on it, especially with rejection. I remember like just feeling feeling rejection um, just from the industry because mm-hmm. um, I was in media for fifteen years, and after fifteen mm-hmm. years, uh, my contract didn't get renewed, and suddenly I didn't have a job, and I felt so super rejected, and um, yeah. But then in finding the Lord, uh, you know, he brings us back to those situations to heal us, mm-hmm. right? And it was like, mm-hmm. it wasn't rejection at all. It was all part of my plan. It was all divine redirection. And, Amen. you know, when you start to look at it as like, he literally like took you by his hand and put you mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. from all of that evil and all of that stress and all of that anxiety, mm-hmm. everything you were feeling, rejection, all of those things is like, there comes a time when the Lord is going to be like, I've had enough of you <laughs> dealing with mm-hmm. that. And I'm finding mm-hmm. you where you are and I'm revealing myself to you. Amen. You're able to deny me anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Amen. Um, so, so what was that point for you where, where you were suddenly just like, okay, yeah. Jesus is the one, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, well, so- how did you get into, um, like, how did he lead you back to him? Well, by then, you know, it was, um, it was, it was a momentum that was, you know, getting built. And yeah. uh, so everything was building for that momentum. But I just, uh, I got to say that I was also rejected at school. I was uh, bullied uh, a lot at school, right? Um, and uh, I was beat up a lot by a lot of my uh, you know, uh, fr- not friends, my enemies <laughs> yeah. at school and came a point where, you know, obviously that rejection that was bottling up all the emotions that encompassed around that, uh, you know, came out flying on people and I wanted to retaliate, which I did. I did vindicate myself at some point because I became so angry and I grew up to become even angrier and angrier. And that actually displayed and disclosed in the way I treated other people and my relationships with girls, uh, with my mom and my sisters. So you'd find me sometimes even laying hands on my mom or my sisters, you know, uh, knocking the uh, the walls at home and, uh, you know, making holes everywhere. So I was a very angry child because I was trying to, you know, I was trying to um, all that bottled, um, you know, anger. I was trying to project it on my mom and my sisters, but came a point where I was able to kick the guy out of our house. And, you know, I figured that was, you know, that was a good thing. My mom was kind of happy, but turns out that I became a little bit like that guy. So I was that, I was that monster now, right. You know, with everything that I had lived through, I was an angry child. Now, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to know anything about Islam anymore. I was like, I, I don't care. It doesn't work. Right. Trying hard to pray. It doesn't give me any, any type of peace. So, uh, there's, uh, so, so where, where, where everything starts is, 
uh, we're at school and, uh, there, you know, there, we, have, we have a teacher. I believe it was, uh, our English teacher and she, she was Jewish and she was showing us, uh, this movie about, uh, it's called Children's List. Um, uh, if you guys are familiar, uh, with that movie, right? So she was showing us that movie. Huh? The six hour long movie. <laughs> exactly. So we watched some of it. I believe maybe, yeah. uh, it was a two series, uh, thing, you know, but, I remember getting angry and because of what was going on in, in Israel back then uh, with the political conflict and the Palestinians hating on the Jews. So I took camp. I took like I sided with the Palestinian camp. So you can only imagine the type of reaction I would get whenever these movies would be played in, you know, class. And I remember getting angry. I was like, there's absolutely no way I'm going to watch this. And then she rushed after me and she caught me in the hall and she said listen i see there's a lot of anger in you and she was very loving very respectful she didn't try to condemn me for my reaction but she said uh, maybe you should you know try to uh, renew your mind and uh really try to uh, you know think about peaceful thoughts and let not yeah. let the, the negative pressure of life get to you and at this point she didn't know what i was going through but anyways um so that happens and then a couple of days later i was looking for a job and so i get on a job uh, somewhere through that um, other, uh, through that imam. So he's an imam, he's Lebanese, yeah. and he has a restaurant in the Montreal area. Uh, he has a Basha restaurant. And so he invites me to come work for him. And I was uh, 19, I believe, back then. And so I walked into the store first night. It was Ramadan. It was about maybe 8 o'clock in the evening. And uh, I walk in there, and uh, I'm getting trained I'm right behind the counter, and uh, so this is where everything is going to play out. This is the beginning, really, of yeah. Jesus, you know, yeah. reaching in. Wow. And so I'm, I'm in there. I'm, I'm learning, right? I'm, I'm making some. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm serving some clients. Uh, there's a few clients sitting in that, uh, you know, big place in the restaurant. Uh, not a lot of clients. Uh-huh. But uh, two hours later, there's this guy that walks in, huge beard, looks like he's a Southeast Muslim, very scary. Um, he's got this negative demeanor. You could see it on his face. And, uh, and so as soon as I see him, my boss walks up to me and he goes like, listen, this guy is a radical. Please don't try to, uh, enter any, uh, enter into any conversation with him because he's yeah. not the kind of guy you want to mess with. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to leave him alone, right? At this point. So the guy makes his way into the kitchen because he was hired to do the dishes. And so later, as I'm actually still standing behind that counter, right by the door, there's another guy that comes in. Turns out that that guy was the other guy's brother. Uh, but very nice guy, smiled to me. Then he looked younger, obviously, than his older brother. He asked if he could uh, go inside and speak to his brother, which I said, of course. You know, I pointed where his brother was, so he walked yeah. all the way in. And he went up to the kitchen. They had this discussion, uh, which turned into a fight. So if, uh, for any of you who know anything about uh, the Moroccan dialect, it doesn't sound, uh, you know, Middle Eastern. It's yeah. very North African. So it's very harsh. It, uh-huh. You know, Arabs for the most part, that's what they say, right? So yeah. when I heard that, I said, okay, uh oh, you know, something is about to happen. And so I wasn't right. I wasn't wrong about that because next, next thing I, I saw was really, was really horrible. It was terrifying. I saw, you know, the younger brother walking backwards uh with a chair trying to protect himself from his brother his brother walking after him following him with a huge knife and so what ends up happening is um as gore as this may sound uh the older brother jumps on his uh younger brother uh you know catches him and then he 
hits him with a knife right in the neck, slides, uh, slices his neck open. And uh, so the other guy basically um, ends up, you know, putting his hand on his neck to uh, cover up the wound. And the wound and um and and yeah so i looking at that i you know it was terrifying because you don't i don't see that i don't see that kind of stuff every day so i was wondering if that was a movie was i dreaming was i seeing a nightmare what was going on exactly so the guy was still holding on to his uh, his nerves were still holding on uh like they were still uh, they were helping him to uh to hold on but at some point he turns on his heels and he passes me by and he stops right in front of me. He looks at me and he's begging for his life. But then as soon as he takes his hand off of his neck, the blood gushes and oozes all over me. And then I'm like, you know, I am covered with blood and just pissing everywhere on the walls, on the counter. So the guy ends up obviously collapsing right in front of the restaurant. I jump out of the window because the guy was still, the other guy was still holding onto his knife. And back then there were no surveillance cameras whatsoever. So uh go figure right i mean you can't really see what happened and the cops yeah. did come uh come by but only 15 minutes later so by the time uh the guy had collapsed and between the time the cops had actually showed up uh 15 minutes had gone by the guy had passed away in my arms uh and i was i was completely terrified i was shocked at what was going on it just went so fast that Really, it gave me almost no time to process everything. But, uh, you know, I was covered with blood. The guy was, uh, you know, losing his blood right in my hands. And he did end up passing uh, away right there, uh, right in front of the restaurant on the street corner. And so we went back in and we told the guy to drop his knife, uh, which he did eventually. The cops uh, came, uh, they took him. And then we spent a good 40 hours at the police station giving a reports or testimony, or, you know, witness report or whatever you call that. Right. But, uh, yeah, all that to say, did you want to say anything killing between or, uh, Oh, that's, that is unbelievable. I've actually eaten at that restaurant before. That's why I was just like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <so> crazy. <laughs> I was literally, I was literally wearing, I mean, I was wearing it turtleneck for god knows how long because yeah. i was i was under the idea that something like that would happen to me and uh, i was already terrified from death so could you imagine how much more that added uh, you know on the fire and uh yeah i was i was scared to do when you when, that's why that's why the bible says don't give him a foothold because when he has a foothold even like especially with fear it's like he's going to try to take a leg and then he's going to take your, the whole thing, right? It's like, don't exactly I always say, don't give him a pinky toe in your door yeah. because he's just going to keep taking more and more and more. And especially with fear. And I know he's using it right now through the media and he's using it through every source that he can possibly find because yeah. he, he knows his time is very, very limited right now. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to try to make people especially with death like that's one of the number one fears right in this world and so Mm -hmm. what does he do oh you guys are gonna all die of this you know it's Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. like he's gonna try to play on it and he's gonna try to increase the amount of fear that's within you because he is the one who is creating this chaos in the world he is the one who Mm -hmm. like he he Mm -hmm. loves every minute of it when we have that fear and he just wants to build on it and build on it it's like you can give him even like a not even an inch, not, not even, even a, a stitch, yeah. 
nothing. You can't, especially with fear. And so that's why I'm glad that, you know, the Lord is like, the Bible is so comforting when it comes to that, right? When it comes to fear, when it comes Mm -hmm. to, you know, especially with the scriptures, it's like, do not fear is written how many times? Like once for every single day, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We're not to fear. And like, I remember just like at the beginning of 2020, I was watching, um, I think it was like Perry Stone or somebody speaking and he was like, he was like, you know, what's amazing how they're trying to scare us with death. Like he goes, we're Christians. Like, why would we fear death? We get to be with the Lord. Like, and so it's like when you come to him and when you come to know him, your mind is being renewed every day. And when you, uh, when, when especially with fear, like that's how you can overcome fear is to just mm-hmm. lean on his word, lean on his promises. And so, and not knowing them, obviously, you know, he's going to guide you towards them, but we have to, you know, have him first of all, in our hearts, we have to accept him into our hearts. And that's when he's going to start to the whole process. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So do yeah, you want to and, and about that, that process and where he found you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's obviously, you know, it's obvious just to maybe add up just a little bit of what you said, because I, I really think that fear does paralyze, you know, people. That's what I always tell my, my church, you know, you either, you know, go down the road of faith or fear. And if it's fear, you know, it's going to uh, prevent you from doing what you're called to do, to step into the fullness of your calling, for example, really work for the Lord. And that's what he uses. We see it through society, government, everywhere. People are in that fear-mongering reality that the enemy is pushing uh, towards um, in the entire world with the agendas, with the lies and the deceptions, everything else. So we mustn't, you know, get caught in fear, but instead walk by faith because faith really is what sets us completely free. Faith in the name of uh, the Lord Jesus. Anything that is not faith is sin. That's what the Bible says. Exactly. A lack of faith is obviously, you know, sin because you're trusting in self more than you're actually trusting in God. And so you become your own form of God because that's self-idolatry, self-indulgent self instead of indulging in God's promises, which are yes and amen. Totally agree. And yeah. and so, yeah, I may be going forward. Um, so what, what ends up happening is that I... I, I get into this. Yes, yes, go ahead. I just, yeah. I just because we're talking about fear in the beginning of um, mm-hmm. 2020, and I just want to throw something in. During the pandemic, and I don't know if you even remember this, but okay, so it was just like at the beginning of 2020, mm-hmm. I went out to go and do groceries. I'm walking along St. Catherine, and all I see is people with masks on. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. see the fear in their eyes. Like you look at them, you can see it. It's written all over their face. They're terrified, right? Mm-hmm. There's very few people around. I'm walking along St. Catherine and I go and do my groceries. I'm coming back from doing my groceries. And who do I see? You guys. Ambassador Hassan on the street with, you know, his crew out preaching the gospel. And it was just so, so amazing because like literally we could see the fear in, in people's eyes. It was written all over their faces. The masks were covering their face and they were like, you could see the fear in their eyes. And so what do people need in that moment? They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need the Amen. Lord so badly. And, and so we had church in the street. It was amazing. It was exactly what I needed. The Lord always puts people in your path when you need it the most. Right. And so truly amazing um Man. so um but we're gonna get back to your testimony on uh, talking about uh the 
the the murder that you witnessed and then how the Lord found you in that mm-hmm. spot. Yeah, so at this point, I guess I hit rock bottom. I couldn't go lower than the ground. I was in a place that was really, um, it was a bad place. Um, I was uh, I was fearing even more uh, as if I didn't fear death enough. Now this was adding on uh, the toll of, you know, the nightmares and everything else that preceded that um, up until that point. And so I'm going back home now and I'm super exhausted. I had spent 40 hours roughly at the police station and i'm thinking to myself i mean this could have not this couldn't have happened you know what is going on as if i needed this and i now i'm my mind is going everywhere it's ruminating um everywhere i'm thinking about death you know i'm thinking about suicide i'm like what's going on right islam couldn't provide any answers what's the point of even living and um i also remember that i was um uh like i was um like my legs actually hurt me that night before I went to sleep. Um, I don't know if it was a muscle issue, whatever that may have been. Um, you know, it was really hurting me and I felt like my legs really needed some rest. So I, you know, crashed and I ended up actually seeing a vision uh, while being in pain, right? And it wasn't a dream. Let me tell you, it was definitely a vision because, um, for those of you that know anything about visions and have had those in the past, they're very vivid. They're very clear. And uh, you can remember almost everything, every bit and piece of, you yeah. know, the vision from beginning to end. It's nothing like, you know, it's it's not uh, vague like a dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, so I end up falling asleep and then I see my soul coming out of my body. And uh, as soon as my soul comes out of my body, it's floating in midair. It's somewhere in a basement, somewhere in a temple. I don't know where. It's pitch dark all around me, and I'm literally seeing myself from the ceiling downwards. So I'm looking upon myself laying in bed uh, while my legs are paralyzed, and I'm shouting for help. I'm feeling the emotions. I'm feeling a whole lot of uh, fear and everything else, right? And it's like I could see myself through a mirror, right? I was reflecting upon myself like through a mirror. So I was feeling what I was feeling as a soul floating in midair, but also feeling what that person myself right in that bed was feeling in that very instance and so i was screaming for help because i knew that i was in a very bad place it was very um hopeless um i can't even start to explain to you how hopeless that place was i was separated from the presence of god not that i had felt the presence of god before but you know it was nothing i mean i was in literally deep hell And uh, I'm laying on that bed, couldn't move my legs. And then I understood I was dead because there were ladies trying to fix the bed and they were covered up with black, right? These black garments, like, uh, you know, Muslim women, if you know anything about burqas, right? These religious women that like to close themselves with these burqas. And I was pleading with them. I was begging for their attention and I couldn't get it. So that's when I figured that I was basically dead and I was on my way to hellfire. And so all of a sudden there comes out a loud shout of uh, what I believe uh, to have been an angel screaming, the Messiah is coming. And for any of you who know anything about the the Islamic Messiah, you know, it has nothing to do with the concept of the Jewish Messiah, which we know of described in the old, but also in the New Testament, right? And so the Mahdi, as they call him, is someone that's going to come back on earth, Kelly, uh, to cut off the heads of the infidels uh, or the disbelievers or the disobedient to Allah. And I was super scared because I read a lot of, you know, the sufferings about the pains and, and the struggles of uh, 
you know, the tomb, the grave. That's something that Islam or Allah, you know, scares his uh, followers with, right? And so I heard the Messiah is coming. And come to think, uh, just a couple of seconds later, I hear boom, 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 as if someone was walking with heavy steps in the hall leading up to where I was. And in the meantime, I was so scared that I covered myself up with the covers. And I was like, oh, no, that person knows exactly everything about me. He knows about my innermost secrets and desires. There's absolutely no way I can hide from him. And so I am doomed. I am on my way to damnation. Yeah. I'm going to get my, ha- my head chopped off. And so before I know it, um, I see this light, this dazzling light that emanates from that person, whomever that person was standing at the door. I knew that he was there. I felt his presence. I felt the presence of the Almighty God of God. And it couldn't have been a simple man right? or a mere. The darkness, right? Amen. The light the shines in the darkness. <laughs> Amen. I am the light of the world. Whoever walks after me shall never stumble in darkness. Amen. So, so I, I feel that light and I sense it, but that light is just so strong that from under the covers, it's like I can't open up my eyes and I have to cover up my eyes even more. But then I hear this sweet voice, the sounding of his voice that tells me in reassurance and also comfort, open up your eyes and uncover yourself and look at me. And so I look upon him and, uh, and then I see a smile, but I don't see his face per se, the features, yeah. right? And the light yeah. is just so strong that I have to cover up my, my eyes. And he was kind of tall. He was wearing this tunic, which, by the way, before I forgot to say that to you, you know, when I gave you uh, the previous testimony, um, he was wearing this Old Testament, New Testament, you know, garment, yeah. tunic, like we see Jesus yeah. wearing in, uh, you know, most of these uh, Christian movies that we see. Yeah. So he walks right into the room and he comes and sits at the edge of the bed. And when I looked at him, he was, I mean, walking straight. He had a weight of glory to himself. And I felt like the mountains all around that place were basically trembling and they were shivering from his presence from the weight of glory of yeah. that person. And I knew that that person couldn't have been the Messiah as described in yeah. Islam because he had just so much more to himself than anything described about the Messiah in Islam. So he sits by the ed- edge of the bed. He lays his hands on my knees and he says something along the lines of son, you know, stand up and walk. And then I feel this love, this compassion from him that fills me up from the inside. It's at the core of my very being. Especially and then just, I, just in the word sun, because, you know. Exactly. Oh, because like, there's no such thing as sonship, right? Or relationship, yeah. for example, between a son and his, 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 his father, namely Allah, right, in Islam. Yeah. That doesn't exactly. exist anyway. You won't find it. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Anywhere in the Quran, or let alone any contemporary writings from Islamic sources. And being a son is exactly what you needed, right? Like, that's, that, that's the yeah. word. <laughs> Amen. Because I needed that father love. And a lot of people yes. would basically mistake this or confuse this to say, oh, well, because, you know, that was in your subconsciousness, then therefore that ended up happening because you were overthinking it. That's not true. I mean, because yes. my experience was real, was real, my vision was vivid. It was there, and I saw that person. He spoke to me. I couldn't. I couldn't have made up that story because I wasn't people, even a Christian. People who don't, who have never had a vision, especially like, uh, yeah, people who have never had a vision, do not understand visions. Let me just tell you that because exactly. I had a massive one in 2013. That's why I do what I do today. That's why I got saved. And like, people will always try to like discredit it. Try to. And you're so excited about it. Like you want to tell everybody mm-hmm. about this vision, but everybody's just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever, right? Well, the mm-hmm. moment that people have a vision, they will really realize what you experience because it truly is unforgettable. The Amen. enemy Amen. tries to come after you have the vision, right? And say, okay, did you really see that? Are you sure you saw that? But, and that was my experience for 10 years that I was like, yeah. Well, that's a devil. That's a devil's playground. Is obviously, you know, yeah. to sow seeds of doubt and bring deceitfulness from that, obviously, and get you yeah. to completely walk away from the Lord. That's the whole point: disrupting your faith. Yeah. And you're right. A vision is real because it's devoid from any confusion, and especially if it's actually Jesus coming to you. I mean, exactly. you do feel a supernatural encounter with the Lord, and nothing equates Amen. to that. Nope. So. Yeah, going back to uh, that, I mean, I felt the love of a father because I never met my father. And for me, you know, that 12 yeah. years with that man that was, you know, severe and harsh and rude, uh-huh. you know, re- living hell, honestly, for 12 years. So that was really offsetting all of that. And so Jesus sets his hands once again on my knees and he goes, uh, I knew it was Jesus. I'm saying it was Jesus because yeah. Yeah. I didn't know at the moment, but I knew later and I'll tell you how. So he lays yeah. his hands on my knees and he goes like, stand up and walk. And so I was crying even more uh-huh. and uh, I was I was telling him I can't, I can't walk. So he ends up actually standing up and he walks to a place in that room where we were, where there's a table and then laying on that table, there's a huge book. And the book is white like snow, right? Wow. And uh, if if you know anything about Psalm 51, of course, for those, uh, that's the first thing that comes into mind. Yeah. That although our sins are like grimsome, right? That's not yeah. in Psalm, that's in the Old yeah. Testament. But you can connect that with Psalm 51. Exactly. Isaiah 118. 118. And then, you know, David is reiterating Psalm 51, you know, yeah. a clean, uh, wash me, uh, like, uh, wash me clean like snow, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and so he picks up that, that book and then he turns on his heels comes back sits on the edge of the bed he lays that book literally open on my knees and then he starts praying a prayer which i didn't know in what language it was but i yeah. i imagine it was hebrew or maybe aramaic is uh-huh. um you know is his language back then and as soon as he starts speaking the words the words would create in, in the book so he was controlling this he was controlling the speech he was 
he was speaking the words into existence. Yeah. And so the words start flowing everywhere, like fire in the room. And then he goes, so the third time he goes, now stand up and walk. So I end up standing up and being able to walk. And I, I walk a few steps and I fall face first on the ground, worshiping him. And then I start crying and crying and crying. I felt like mountains were lifted off of my chest and my shoulders and my mind. I knew that these were the strongholds that were just, you know, being taken away from me, being removed completely. And then I said something like, Father, you know, thank you. And he said, listen, if you want peace, that peace that you've been seeking for so long, right, you'll find it eventually. You'll find it through me. And then that's how, you know, the first vision obviously, you know, ended. Uh-huh. And uh, let me tell you that that was followed by a series of 11 wow. dreams or visions one day after the other uh, in a sequence of 12 days. I had these dreams and these visions and I'm going to save you in you know, all these other dreams just yeah. for the sake of time. I saw judgment there. I saw Jesus coming back in the clouds. Yeah. I saw myself as an old rabbi where, you know, God was pouring out some oil of gladness, like, you know, that, uh, anointing procession in the Old Testament from the high priests and the uh, kings, right? Whenever yeah. someone would be anointed like David, we saw in First Samuel 16, Holy Spirit would fall upon him. Yeah. I saw all of that in my dreams. I didn't know much about it, but I saw myself as a Jewish man. Uh-huh. So come to think, anyone who sees these dreams would probably think to themselves, well, maybe God has called me to be a Jewish person now. Maybe he's right. calling me into Judaism. Right. And, and so what ends up happening, Kelly, is I end up going from door to door to every synagogue around the city. And I'm thinking to myself, God wants me to be Jewish. And I start falling in love with the Jewish uh, prophets, uh, reading, you know, the Torah, reading the Nevi'im, reading the Kutubim, going into libraries, and then um, obviously uh, sneaking those into our house, you know, my backpack. So my mom and that, my mom wouldn't see it. So, you know, my sisters wouldn't see that. And uh, when I, finally exposed the entire thing to my mom and I said, listen, this is exactly what happened. I had a series of dreams. I had a series of visions. I, you know, I didn't make these up. I don't know anything about Jewishness or Christianity or whatever, or the old prophets. She said, listen, uh, of course, any typical Muslim would say, well, Allah is testing your faith and Satan is really hitting your heart. So, uh, (laughs) be careful. Don't fall for the trap. Don't fall for the bait. And so they ended up discouraging me eventually. And then every time I go to a synagogue, uh, get into the synagogue, meet with the rabbi and his accomplices, they would end up calling the cops because they thought I was coming in to <laughs> blow myself up, you know, as oh a God. as a Muslim because of everything that was going on in uh, yeah. Israel. Yeah. And so I was just so adamant about finding the truth. I wanted the truth. Yeah. I was hungry for the truth. I didn't know what the truth was. I didn't have the, the right type of faith uh, because yeah. Jesus says, he who continues in my word will know the truth and the truth will set him free. So I didn't know much about the word and who was the word well Jesus back then, but I yeah. had no clue who the true word was uh-huh. uh, by then. And so when you, you, know, when I, you find yeah. it, it's like, I want to read the whole thing. I want to know everything about you. I want to read it 50 times, write it on my heart. I want to share it. Like that's how I was. Cause I was 40 when I met him seven years ago. Wow. Wow. And, yeah. And so, I was so hungry, like so hungry. Amen. Right. And, and then he kind of brought me through the wilderness for a while and led me to just spend time alone with him. Not even like talk, no friends, no nothing for like years, like three, four years. Like, and when you're that, like, when you come to know him at like such a late age is like, 
you you need him so badly at that point that it's like you just absorb it, right? And I yes. hear like people in China because they're not allowed to have uh, Bibles there, right? They actually like get access to a Bible and they will memorize it. And they will like just memorize it. And like Chinese people can say it word by word every single chapter. They've memorized yeah, it because yeah. it's like they don't, they don't have a choice. It's like I'm only given this access for a limited time. And if they find out that I'm doing this, I'm going to be in some real trouble. Right. So it's like mm-hmm. you have to, but they have, they have then like stored up the word in their hearts. Right. You can't take it out of my heart once it's there. <laughs> amen. Right? Amen. And so, um, yeah, and it's obviously sorry, Kitty. It's obviously not the same type of Christianity. I mean, the Christianity that we see in the Western world today yeah. is kind of a cotton candy Christianity, as opposed to yeah. the sufferings of persecution. They're finding fire that they're going through. I mean, these guys, from what I heard, right? Uh, yeah. We have missionaries coming to them, and sometimes they're in in church services for seven hours straight, and yeah. they're they're even they want more. They're hungry. They're thirsty for the Word of God yeah. because that's how much you're you know. They're, they're suffering. That's how much yeah. you're persecuted by the government. I mean, we have the yeah. easy peasy type of Christianity here, yeah. progressive Christianity type of thing, where the Western world is not even interested. The Christians are not even interested to let alone just go to church, show up on Sunday, right? And that's yeah. the least that could be actually asked from us, and we don't do that. It's very yeah. sad. Yeah. But I guess we all need a dose of persecution. Hopefully the church will come out stronger into persecution. That's maybe soon. Things are and about to hit the fan, right? Exactly. And that's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> what happens. Like, uh, you know, the pressure of a diamond, how does that happen? It's only from the pressure, right? Mm. Like only from the yeah. pressure. And, um, you know, I know that the Lord really spent the last couple of years just like shaking the earth. It's like mm-hmm. many people, a lot of people have fallen away from the faith, but so many more people have just turned to him and turned back to him and realize that religion is so empty and dead like yes for me personally like my mother who was like (laughs) her whole life was a catholic like renounced the catholic church and is now like reading her bible and you know if you if you ask her she will no longer say she's catholic she will say she's a christian she's a follower of christ and that Mm -hmm. you know those hard times is making people actually like be in search for the truth And it's making people like, okay, like, what have I been told my whole life? And you start, like, comparing the Bible to what you've been told in religion your whole life. It's like, okay, this is not the same thing, right? Not even close. And so that's what he's, that's what he's been doing. I feel like he's shaken the whole earth and so many people fall into their knees and been like, Lord, I need you. Amen. Amen. Believe that as well. Yay, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, continuing continuing on. Um, so, um, where were we? We were... Well, the Jewishness, you know, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I got... Yeah. Go how did you... How did you... Uh, when was the time when you found your first uh, word? Like, what was the first scripture that you heard that you were like, what is that? Yeah. I feel something from that. <laughs> well, it didn't happen until um, 10 years later. Um, or actually not not 10 years, but more like 8 or 9 years. Uh, because I mentioned that it was at the age of 26 or 27, 27 years old. Yeah. I'm not really good with dates, but uh, you know, long story short, uh, there's a 10-year 
uh, span, right? Before the Lord comes back to natural visions and dreams. Yeah. And in, 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 in between, uh, in, in, in that timeline, a lot of stuff happened. I went back to the world because I was discouraged, like I said uh, to you earlier, because I was told that don't you make that mistake of actually, you know, stepping into a different religion because what's what's probably going to end up happening is that you're going to spend eternity in hellfire because Allah is a severe God. And if if you know anything about Islam, which I'm pretty sure you've read, did you ever read the Quran, by the way? No, but right. I, I know, like, I've seen, like, a lot of uh, videos, and I've seen you, like, mm-hmm. talking about the differences between the Bible. Like, I watched yeah, it, channels. <laughs> it, 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 there's a lot of threats, a lot of uh, yeah. scare tactics that Allah uses, and, of course, the devil will always use these t- scare tactics to yeah. keep you, right, to keep you paralyzed, to keep yeah, you... Bound exactly that religion, not to come out from that religion, because that's uh, Satan's last desire. Um, and uh, yeah, so 10 years in the process, I went back in the world. I was becoming more depressive. Now I was using even more drugs. I was doing, um, you know, a lot of different drugs, cocaine, psychedelics. Uh, what else? I was, I was really heavy on weed. Um, sexual immorality was, you know, uh, through the roof. It was the number one thing that I was always chasing. You know, I had, uh, multiple relationships. And of course, you know, it always turned sour because I was aggressive. I was violent. I was angry from my upbringing, um, and, and how I uh, was raised, right? And, uh, I was even, I was feeling the weight of pressure even more. I was suicidal even more, but I couldn't for the life of me ever take my life away because I was also scared from meeting Allah, right? So that's what actually kept me from uh, <laughs> it's suiciding. Yeah. And so Jesus was actually keeping me all along. He was faithful to keep me from doing any harm to myself. Um, and so, yeah, 10 years, nine or 10, about eight, nine, 10 years later, I was 26, so I believe, 19. Yeah. So that's you know, more or less Eight years, actually, yeah. eight, eight, nine years. I, um, I started going out with this girl. She, uh, she was Catholic and, uh, we were together for three years. But after a year and a half, um, she comes up to me and uh, she tells me she wants to, uh, rededicate her life. She wants to be born again, um, through a friend who was a Latina, uh, Pentecostal. And she had invited wow. her to come down to church and get baptized. Now, yes, wow. But the only <laughs> issue is that she thought that if she was dipped underwater, that her sins were automatically forgiven. Yeah. And that's obviously wrong. That's not found in scripture. Yeah. And even as a Muslim back then, I was like, you know, I don't see, I don't, I don't think that makes any sense at all. Right. Uh, Coming from a religious person, I was like, yeah. you know, why would God forgive your sins? Like it doesn't make any sense at all. So it made me even more. Um, opposing to Christianity uh-huh. uh, in in some way, and I was like, "There's absolutely no way, you know, if we have kids one day, that our kids would be brought into that religion. You know, Jesus is not the Son of God." Typically, you know, the yeah. argument that any yeah. any Muslim would parrot yeah. from their scholars from that Taoist script at its finest. Yeah. 
And I'm telling her, well, you know, forget about this. We're done. We're over here. Yeah. You know, you go get baptized at your church and I'm going to go on with my life. And so it turns out I leave her. We break up. She calls me back. I believe her mom also called to go like, this is really important. It is one of the yeah. most valuable things that she's ever done. Please come to church. Yeah. I'm like, ah, so I didn't want to go to church, but the Lord really wanted me there. So yeah. Jesus really made sure that, you know, he would open up the path and really remove the blockages and the hindrances. So I ended up going to church on a Sunday morning. It was an early service at 11 in the morning. So you have all of these nice Christians coming up to me, these couples and all these pastors are shaking hands with you. We love you. And I'm like, get out of here, man. Get out of the front door. Like, what do you know about love? You don't even know me. Like, how can you love me? Right. Like you don't have a you don't you don't know me you know you don't even know my name and yeah. you, you say that you love me and so she had a class for evangel uh, for baptism water baptism before she got in the water and I sat there next to her because for her it was important and she asked yeah. me to join her which I did but the entire time I was just oh I was so confronted um, yeah. uh, by what the pastor was saying and I wanted yeah. to stand up and say you guys are blaspheming the name of the Lord yeah. you're lying right Jesus is not the son of God he's just a prophet he's, he's one among uh, you know the multiple prophets and she was like no sh- don't say anything she was yeah. really scary because she was she didn't want to be shamed in front of everybody it's, it's uh-huh. understandable so I turns out I don't do anything she ends up getting baptized walk out of the church and then something happens uh, well, I'm actually driving. I'm going somewhere to see a friend. And then I keep seeing this cross in my mind. And I don't know where this is coming from. It's like, you know, God is imparting that right into my mind, but it's against my own will. Yeah. And I couldn't explain where it was coming, why it was there. But I, I saw a red cross and I kept coming, you know, again and again. And it kept pressing on my mind. And at some point I had to pull over. And and we're just, you know, take a moment and we're like, man, this is just like intense. Like, why am I yeah. seeing a cross, right? And then that same night, I see Jesus coming to me again in a dream. And I'm standing in his presence and I'm in heaven. I'm kneeled down before him. I'm alone and there and he's wearing a white garment and he's speaking with so much love, but also with severity as in like, yeah. you know, he's trying to blame yeah. me for having walked away and not heeded to his words but he's coming back home uh you, you know with his love at the same time uh-huh. and i'm thinking to myself okay this is just so real but what is going on yeah. and so uh you know coming friday there's a youth um service at church on at, on friday night and uh mind you that at this point i am broken you know nothing has changed it's getting my situation is getting worse i'm out in the world i'm cheating on the girl you know she's probably yeah. cheating on me nothing is uh-huh. working out i'm a mess uh, my life is upside down. I was even uh, hanging out with the wrong type of people. Uh-huh. Some of them were in gangs, right? Doing some, you know, gun, uh-huh. obviously, uh, uh-huh. uh, gun dealing, gun dealing, and all that stuff. And but I wasn't really involved. You know, they were just they were always there to protect me. They were my, yeah. you know, friends, but they were known to be dangerous. I won't really say anything here about this. Uh-huh. But anyways, fast forwarding. So we get to Friday night. And then we walk into that place and I'm really skeptical and I don't want to be there. But at the same time, something pulled me in, in there. And I'm thinking to myself, why would God want me there? Whoever that God may be, like, why is yeah. it about Christianity? I thought I want, I needed to become Jewish. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm just looking at everybody, shouting and screaming, speaking in tongues. Everybody's all over the place. They're spirit filled, dancing around the pews. 
And I'm thinking to myself, these people are completely crazy. <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing here? So I'm about to actually leave. And then this, this pastor starts prophesying and he starts speaking the spirit. And he's speaking about a person who had gone through tremendous amount of struggles and oppositions in, in his life. Someone that was broken, destroyed from the inside, was seeking death, seeking suicide. That person has, had lost his father. That yeah. person was, 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 uh, suffered for many years. That person couldn't find peace. Yeah. And when he said peace, I'm like, man, I knew that this was speaking directly to me. This was speaking <laughs> over my life. I was like, hello, yes. And then, <laughs> So, so he, he puts up a verse on the screen and he is prophesying, prophesying. And I knew that this was me, right? Yeah. God's word does not go back void. And of course, it's tailored for everybody. It speaks over yeah. every person's heart and situation experiences. But I knew that that night it was specifically for me because it was just so real and so specific yeah. and tailored to my life. And so he puts up Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all of you are laden and heavy burden, and I will give you a rest. Learn from my peace, for I am meek and lowly of heart, right? Take upon you my yoke, for it's easy, my burden, for it's light. And when he said that, and when I read that verse, and I said, oh my gosh, this is Jesus speaking to me, peace. He's the agent of peace, that peace that I've sought all my life. I can't even describe to you what happens. Uh, happened. I got over flooded with love. Something fell upon me. I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And out of the bloom, I started screaming. I actually pulled out from that aisle where I was sitting I got right in between, right in the uh, on 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 uh, in the in the in the mid um, uh, aisle, uh-huh. and I I I knelt down. Um, I got on my knees and I I I started screaming, Jesus, Jesus, I need you! And I started crying as if I didn't care about anybody. I wasn't ashamed about you know what people was because I wasn't. I didn't care much about like you know. I wanted to feel that peace, that joy that I wanted and. So yeah, I went screaming, Jesus, Jesus, people were looking at me. Um, I don't think that they had maybe judgment or condemnation towards me since they were Christians, but you know, let me tell you, the entire world start, you know, stopped turning. Uh because it was just about me and Jesus in that very moment. And uh I can't even begin to tell you how I felt. Something hit yeah. me as I expressed earlier, something had taken over my body my entire soul soul spirit whatever you know and that was the holy spirit and i came out i came out of that door completely changed that night went back home and then that's when every time i went to sleep you know i was just thinking about jesus i couldn't help it but i was thinking about jesus i was seeing some more dreams visions and then eventually i started reading about christianity and uh you know for the first time ever i popped you know the bible opened and uh everything made sense for me you know the lord was yeah. speaking to my heart and it became Especially clear i was that that, that yeah. first scripture that we hear it's yeah. like you know the feeling that you get when you hear mm-hmm. it's like when you hear mm-hmm. the word there's so much power in the word and especially mm-hmm. to those who are just like so very much in need of that word it's like mm-hmm. perfectly timed um, for me, it was when I first uh, moved to Montreal. I was having anxiety attacks. Um, mm-hmm. The enemy didn't want me here, still doesn't want me here, but doesn't have a choice. Um, and um, I was having a major, major anxiety attack. And the Lord led me to um, a YouTube video. And I heard Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusted mm-hmm. me. And the way that I felt like when I heard that scripture, it was just like, Oh my God. And I didn't even know that it was scripture. I just knew the way that I felt. 
So when the anxiety attacks were coming, every time I would turn on that same pastor who was saying the same word, and the same thing would happen. Like the spirits would just flee, right? Amen, amen. It's like we don't understand it because at that point we don't understand spiritual things, right? But that first scripture is like there's something that changes within you when you hear it because it's like Mm -hmm. that's a living word, right? It's amazing. It's amazing. And I, I think that we can also connect this to like, I mean, you started off this episode by saying the overcome, the overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Yeah. So anything that encompasses around your testimony, any, you know, any word provided by the Lord also falls under that reality is that you're Absolutely. able to overcome the devil, you know, to the verses and the passages that the Lord spoke over your life amidst your testimony right and so that could be anything that's a wide range of a whole lot of scriptures that you know god gave you personally to attack the enemy and really have them flee away from you so yeah um you know for me i was still wrestling with doubt because i was once again you know scared and i was trying to uh, uh detach from that fear of islam because if i committed my life completely to jesus then i'd have to actually completely turn away from islam and i was still wrestling with that doubt because the verses were also coming to me from the Quran, right? That's yeah. how the devil works, yeah. right? He's yeah. fighting, you know, uh, God in you. And it's of course, the Lord overcomes. And it's a war. It's a spiritual warfare. It's a war for your soul. And that happened with me too, coming from the media, right? It's like the exactly. Out, but you can feel that battle. You can feel it. It's like the Lord is saying, I've already won this battle. I've already, Amen. I've already got him. I know what his Hallelujah. The enemy yeah. tries to fight real hard. Real hard. Real hard. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to push my, my cat away because I wouldn't want him to get in the way of, yeah, but, uh, yeah, they're just so nosy. They always want to be around you, right? So they see you doing something. You know, not today, Satan. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so wrestling without and, um, Interestingly enough, I mean, think about this. I was at church at some point. I was invited over a uh, um, over a dinner at a family's uh, house, and I, I I get in there and we're praying. We're in the spirit, right? They're speaking over my life. We're reading the word, and I was still, um, you know, I was still new in the faith. So I didn't have much much knowledge about the word, but then I get a call from the same imam that I worked for when this whole thing happened. And what are the odds? This is literally, and there's no odds with, you know, the Lord, but there's definitely odds with Satan. Right. But because he, he wants to, he wants to pull me back to where I left from. I get a call and I hadn't spoken to that person for a long time. So he goes like, listen, I saw a dream about you and it was really bad. And he goes like, I was in the wilderness. Uh, the woods were completely burned around me. No trees. Everything was leveled off. And I'm walking right into that far, uh, in, into the, uh, into the woods. And I can hear you screaming for your life. And so I run towards that place and I see a hole. And right in the hole, what, what do I find? Well, I find you, uh, holding on to a branch and you're about to, you know, fall headlong in this fiery pit. And you're going to hell, right? And he goes like, I needed to call you because, you know, I felt in my spirit, you know, a Muslim imam, he goes like, I felt that I needed to warn you of whatever you're about to do. If you're thinking about like, how did he know? Well, again, Satan can actually speak to people in their dreams to come in, try to prevent you from stepping into the kingdom because that's the last thing he wants. He knows there's a star on you and he wants to do everything he could. 
to get you, know, you back yeah, exactly where you left. Exactly. You were fearing that, you know, situation with your family, telling your family about it. You're fearing a lot as you're about to step in. It's like, that's always when the biggest attacks come, right? Exactly. And also before baptism, I always tell my church yep. for three days yep. before you get baptized, yep. <laughs> before yep. we dip you in the water and you come back into, uh, you know, into this uh, newness of life, exactly. expect the devil to hit you real hard. Yeah, uh, he's going to show up and do what he does. Right. But uh, mm-hmm. um, I've got like maybe another five, five minutes, Kelly. Is that OK? okay? Yeah, just perfect. Do, yeah, yeah. Perfect. If you want to, um, if you want to just wrap it, wrap it up, and mm-hmm. then uh, if you can do a, a a prayer at the end, that would be awesome. Yeah, sure, sure. I'm going to wrap it up by saying that I had a lot of questions, and uh, I spent my entire days uh, reading on Christianity, watching debates between Muslim scholars yeah. versus uh, you know Christian scholars, and for me, everything made sense. You know, the Trinity made sense. Now, God was speaking to me. Um, everything. Every time I went to bed. I was feeling this utter peace yeah. uh, and I was feeling like I was lifted, uh, lifted out, out from my body and I was tapping into a new spiritual dimension. I would wake up at three, four o'clock in the morning uh, because I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. I had mm-hmm. a lot of sleepless nights. I would call my friends, the same guys I went out and club with, they went to bars and did this lifestyle with super excited, man. You, you know, you can't even imagine what I'm going through right now. I'm feeling this. I'm in love with Jesus. Like, yeah, get out of here, man. Are you crazy to call this three, four o'clock in the morning? I was just, you know, overwhelmed. I was joyous and, and everything actually, became clear after. Yeah. I remember, um, like years ago, I remember, like that night that we went out and we you were you guys were preaching in the street i remember like somebody calling you and it was one of your friends who was a muslim and he said you know what i i'm coming to know who jesus is and i believe you and um i just remember thinking my goodness you are gonna pull so many people out of the fire so many people out of the fire and i know you have been like we don't always get to see when it happens planting seeds and planting seeds and you know what there's going to be so much watering taking place and the lord is going to make sure that those seeds come to fruition because like what you're doing is so so amazing and the way that you do it too and especially because of the way that you grew up and everything like everything he really Mm -hmm. did a good work in you that i know is so really really far and by the way, it's just because uh, you don't know this, but a couple of days ago, the Lord pulled out a Muslim from Islam. And it was uh, through, um, you know, through me preaching in the streets four years ago, we had met. And now four years later, we're bumping into each other again. And so he came over because I have a deliverance ministry for those that are listening, right? Also a healing ministry. So we pray for him. And one hour of deliverance, literally the guy spat out stuff, the poison that was yeah. inside the strongholds came out. That's worth of 30 years of struggling he went everywhere and no one could actually help him and now he gave his life to jesus and his entire family is also coming to the lord so there's also you know christ is enough apologetics which you know you know of right on my my youtube channel which is you know defending our faith and counter arguing much of the uh, most of the objections that uh muslims bring against our faith and a lot of evangelism evangelism also which i also release a lot of these videos and that content right on the youtube channel if anyone is interested actually look it up yeah so that's pretty much it Um, instagram don't forget. Yes, <laughs> we are on Instagram. My yeah. wife is actually taking care yeah. of that uh, because I know awesome nothing wife. of Instagram. Yeah. Awesome wife. She's awesome very devout. 
Yes, she's awesome. She loves the Lord. She is always challenging me to keep persevering, to keep keep moving forward. And she, she's just so awesome. Such a huge support. And I couldn't have asked for better. So thank God for Julie. Thank God for you. Thank God for everybody that is watching. And we're going to have and, Julie on the show. I told her when she's ready. I mean, no pressure or anything, but we're going to have to. I, I just read a little bit of what she said on Facebook, and then I was like, oh, yeah, yeah you got a testimony too, sister. She's got, a, she's got a striking testimony, and honestly, yeah. the, uh, Satan wanted wanted to snatch her out so many yeah, times, but course. the Lord prayed for her, just like, you know, he prayed yeah, for Peter, for the yeah. devil to not sift her away. And so thank God for a testimony. It's going to bring so many people to the kingdom. Amen. It's all about Jesus. We praise him. We give him glory. And especially yeah. in these last days, like we got to preach the word. We got to go out. We got to tell the entire world that Jesus is on, on, he's on the door. He's coming our, back. Our time is very, very, very limited. And very limited. Things are get to understand. Yeah. That's pretty, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay, that seals so, the deal. <laughs> all right. So if you want to pray us out, that would be amazing. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So. Um, Father, I don't even I don't even know where to start. I just want to thank you, Lord God, for the state you've given us, Lord God. One day above ground is a good day, Lord God. Thank you for all that which you do, all the blessings, Lord God, upon our lives. My sister Kelly and myself and every person that is under the sound of our voice and is taking the time, Lord, to really care to listen to this testimony. For this is about you. This is not about us, Lord God. For we have one commonality, despite of our upbringing, um, how we were raised, Lord. It's all about you as the common uh, objective for all of us, Lord God. You are the one that saved us. You're the one that you, rec- you recognize as our Lord and Savior. We give you all the praise and all the glory for you deserve it, Lord God. You died and shed your blood so you can redeem us from all nations, different backgrounds, Lord God, and from everywhere, Lord God, to make us one people onto you, conform to your word, Lord God. And ultimately, we just want to give you the praise that you deserve. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord God, that you gave me to share your word because we have overcome the devil. Yes, Lord God, through the blood of uh, the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And thank you for my sister, Kelly, who's made this possible. Lord God, thank you for this channel that is going to reach so many people's hearts. And I just pray that if any Muslims um, are listening to this, that their hearts would be uh, melting, Lord God, that they be convicted with a cloud, a cloud of conviction that will bring them into your presence. Lord, I pray that they would be saved and experience you as their Lord and their Savior, because we know that you can do all things, Lord God. Nothing is impossible to you, for you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, Lord God. And may you speak uh, with this testimony to so many people's hearts, Lord God, and may you always continue to work through us, through your works, uh, the works of the Holy Spirit, Lord God. Lead us in your way. Help us to always love you more, Lord God. Give us more faith. Build our uh, our our love for you, Lord God, and help us to snatch many more souls from uh, the devil's uh, 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 grip, Lord, right into your kingdom, Lord God, because we want to see everybody with you, Lord, in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for being on the show, brother. Give your wonderful thank you for big, having me. Big hug from me. I will. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. God bless okay. you. Thank you. God Kelly. bless you. Talk to you. God bless you. Okay. Bye. bye. As the new year unfolds, make it a year of comfort and indulgence with Minky Couture. Wrap yourself in the lap of luxury with our exquisite blankets. Picture the cozy moments, the warmth of our premium materials, and the stylish designs that define Minky Couture. Welcome the new year with the ultimate in comfort and sophistication. January is your month to embrace luxury. Visit MinkyCouture.com or your nearest store today. Elevate your comfort, elevate your style with Minky Couture. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.